I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. The debate always rages in terms of our interaction with China. Should we become completely independent? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Does that uh, reduce our ability to have leverage uh, over China on things like climate or copyrights, patents? Uh, All of those things are up for debate. And some people have been really pushing that it's time to just decouple everything from China and become completely independent. Uh, A lot of risks there. Uh, Of course, uh, many see that we're over-dependent on China for a host of things, and uh, that's not healthy for the United States either. And so it's figuring out where that balance point is. Uh, In an an op-ed piece uh, for the Washington Examiner, American Enterprise Institute fellow Zach Cooper Uh, says we shouldn't be trying to completely divorce our economy from China, but rather be a little more strategic about the things that they depend on us for and things that we depend on them for. He says Beijing uh, has been doing the same with us uh, for many years now. We had the opportunity here on Inside Sources to chat with Zach uh, about his piece, about this strategic look at China. wanted to share pieces of that with you today. Uh, Zach says that on the surface, it may make sense uh, to decouple from China, and bring things back to the U.S. There's been a lot of chatter of that for some uh, years now. But there's also some unintended consequences that we really ought to be thinking about before we do. I think the logic of decoupling from China is clear to everyone now, uh, especially people who are suffering, trying to order different goods that, you know, are not uh, being delivered because the supply chains right now are so stretched. So the logic of trying to be a bit more self-reliant is clear. The downside of that, of course, is that it means that we will have less leverage with China in the future. In fact, if you think about a lot of the goods that the U.S. has stopped selling to China recently, things like microchips, what we're seeing is China actually trying to sprint ahead of us so that they can be independent of the United States and no longer dependent on, for example, U.S. designers of advanced microchips. And that uh, potentially could lessen our leverage over Beijing in the future. So I'm not suggesting that the U.S. and Chinese economies should be fully uh, recoupled, that we should be dependent on China for everything. Obviously, that's unrealistic and it would be unwise. But we may want to pick certain specific areas where it would be difficult for China to quickly find other suppliers and that that would, uh, that would give U.S. policymakers some real leverage over Beijing. Uh, Zach says that if we're too hasty in this decoupling from China, then we, we may get that short-term advantage, but we might lose that leverage down the road. And that's, I think, an important thing to always keep in mind with China. They are playing the long game. 
And too often, especially in our politics here in the United States, we're often too short-sighted or too here-and-now focused uh, to take the long view in terms of the ultimate goal and things we want on down the line. There is this interesting trade-off between the short-term and the long-term, right? So anything we do now to punish China in the short-term incentivizes leaders in Beijing to find alternate sources for those goods or services. So in some ways, what we're actually having to do is decide whether we want to put pressure on now or whether we want to accumulate leverage that we're going to use later. And I think over the last few years, we've seen U.S. policymakers be more biased towards trying to put China under some pressure today rather than building leverage that we could use for tomorrow. And what I'm suggesting is I think we have to be a little careful not to decouple the economies so greatly that we actually lose almost all of the leverage we might have tomorrow. So um, we need to pick certain areas you know, I think microprocessors are an obvious one. We're not going to want to sell all kinds of microprocessors to China, but there may be some specific ones that we want Beijing to keep buying so that they don't actually copy or steal that technology, um, that they, they continue to purchase it from the United States, and that would give us leverage down the line. What has to be done, though, is we'd have to work very closely with U.S. allies and partners to make sure that they have similar policies in place so if Beijing doesn't purchase something from the United States, um, it doesn't then go uh, just buy it from, you know, a European ally or Japan or Korea or others. As we continued our conversation with Zach, we, uh, he mentioned that uh, even smaller countries have gained some leverage with China uh, because of trade dependence. Now, again, are we looking at the short term or are we going to look at the long term? Beijing has been trying to execute what it calls a dual circulation strategy, so trying to decrease its dependence on exports to the world for economic growth. Um, But the reality is that there is a huge amount of trade that China does, both imports and exports, and that gives us leverage. And we've seen in other cases, even with countries that have far smaller economies, for example, Australia, that have demonstrated that actually China remains very, very dependent on uh, international trade. Um, Australia sells a lot of iron ore to China. China is very dependent on that specific commodity. And although it hasn't fundamentally changed China's uh, aggressive behavior towards Australia, I think it's limited it in a significant way because at the end of the day, China can't easily get iron ore from somewhere else. So that's the question for, for U.S. policymakers. Can we find goods and commodities and services that China remains dependent on and threaten uh, to cut those off if China doesn't change its behavior? If we can, I think that's an effective way to try and force Beijing to reassess some of its current policies. Zach Cooper from AEI says uh, one of the challenges is to manage especially IP theft uh, by China, which also includes not providing an incentive to steal by cutting them off. China has stolen a tremendous amount of U.S. intellectual property. Estimates are that it's something like $300 billion a year. Um, But the reality is also that China can't steal everything and they can't copy everything. Um, There's only so much of that that Beijing can do effectively. And so I do think it is possible for us to maintain a lead in certain areas, but we're going to have to be very targeted in um, the areas that we want to recouple to make sure that the intellectual property theft concerns are manageable.
And that would require a lot of work between the U.S. government and individual companies. Um, so this is this is a very, very tough problem. But I think um, I think it's something that we we could do effectively if we tried. Finally, in our conversation with Zach Cooper, he said that we need to strategically decide the level of coupling or decoupling that we want to engage in with China. The question in my mind is the degree of recoupling that we're going to have with China. Um, the two economies are not going to be completely coupled. And in fact, this wasn't something the U.S. started, right? Uh, the Chinese haven't used U.S. technology firms in the Internet space for decades because they wanted more decoupling there. Um, but they have done things to try and maximize our dependence on them in other areas. And so I think this is really about responding to China with some of the same tactics that China has been using against us for years. And it doesn't mean that we have to be fully recoupled. This may be a much more targeted effort, uh, but I think that's still wise strategically for us to consider. And that's my uh, conversation uh, with Jack Cooper from American Enterprise Institute. It's so interesting as we try to figure out uh, what is the relationship with China? Do we just try to pull everything back in? Does that give us zero leverage in terms of what we do with China? Uh, it is a tricky balance to be sure. We're going to continue to break that down and think that through in terms of what it means. And again, I think so often in our foreign policy and right here at home, we get too short-sighted where China is playing the long game. Uh, we need to rethink our strategy. Stay with us. Much more to come. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.